Good to be here this morning. Let's read Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, and then 15 through 18 together. Would you please stand one last time and honor the reading of the Word of God? Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the Lord God took the man, look at verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you, that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Let us pray. Lord, this morning we love you. We thank you for your sweet presence in our midst. God, we thank You for lives that You have changed. I thank You this morning for changing my life, for saving me, for loving me, for changing me, rescuing me, and calling me. God, this morning I yield myself to You and I pray that You would use me for Your honor and for Your glory. God, help me preach spiritual words to a spiritual people. May Your Word this morning, which is living and powerful, God, may it change us from the inside out. Lord, I pray that You would challenge us this morning. God, I pray if there be anybody here this morning who is not saved, that today would be the day that they come to know You and the free pardon of sin. That today would be the day they come to join the family of God and be rescued from an eternal hell. God, I pray this morning that You would challenge Your men. God, that You would speak to us. Have Your way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you were not here last week, or if you're visiting for the first time this week, you have stepped into the middle of a sermon series titled Home Improvement. We have begun to look at improving the home. I'll tell you the same thing that I told those of them that were here last week, that regardless of whether you're married or not, regardless of whether you are a husband or a wife, whether or not you have children, all of us have area for improvement in the home that we live in. And so we're looking at how can we take the Word of God and improve the lives that God's called us to live. Last week, we looked at finances. A very important part of improving your life is understanding how to live your life financially according to the principles of the Word of God. And I want to say that last week I covered a very huge topic in a 45-minute span. I had planned on having a two-part portion on finances this morning. And for some reason or another, the Lord has led me to go ahead and move on into the section dealing with men. I encourage you, though, if God has dealt with your heart about finances and you really want to take your finances to the next level, you want, to, you want to learn how to be freed up financially, I want to encourage you to get with me. And I have a handful of resources and places I can point you in the direction of if you want to do a thorough, 
biblical study on living life by God's finances. So if you're interested in that, please let me know. This morning we're going to move and advance our study on home improvement, and I'm going to begin to deal with you men. Ladies, your time is coming. And as I told you in the beginning, I'm also, we're going to look at raising boys in this society, and I'm going to devote an entire sermon to raising girls in this society. But before I get there, I want to take some time to speak to you men here this morning concerning your life in the Word of God. This is one of the very first places, uh, technically it's the first place in the Word of God, where we see instructions for men, specifically men. There's a lot to be learned about life in general, about God's plan for you and I, when we see something mentioned for the first time in the Word of God. Matter of fact, there's such a thing in the Word of God, we call it in the theological realm, we call it the law of first mention. What that means is that the first time something is mentioned in the Bible, that it has a similar meaning the rest of what you will see throughout the Word of God. A great example of that would be in Genesis chapter 15 is the very first time that we ever see the word reward. We see that God rewards faithfulness. We see that God is a rewarder of those who faithfully stand on the principles He has placed before them. But the very first time we ever see the word reward in the Word of God is Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1. And if you read, you'll find the Bible says, God said this to Abraham. He said, I am your exceedingly great reward. When you understand that God is the reward, it will change the way you look at rewards through the rest of the Word of God. The same is true when we look at God's principle for man in what I'm going to call guard the garden. Guard the garden. What are the lessons we can learn about the fact that when God made the first man, Adam, He placed him in a garden? We have a God of divine order who does not do anything by happenstance, who is in divine control of all things at all times, who in His original creation created a garden, made man out of the dust, and put man in the garden. What is there to be learned this morning for us men about the principle of the garden? The first thing I want us to see this morning, I have five brief points. Number one, there is a God who comes first. There is a God who comes first. God is a God of order. If you read the first few chapters of Genesis, you will see God is a God of order. If you look at God's instruction to Moses on how to build the tabernacle, God is a God of order. If you look at God's instructions on how the priesthood was supposed to work, how it was supposed to uh, function, you will see that God is a God of order. He is a God of divine order. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us He is not the author of confusion. In other words, what is confusing and what is not in place and what is out of order is not of our God because our God is a God of divine order. Now, we have to understand this morning, men, That before there is a garden to tend, before there is a wife to marry, before there are children to raise, before there is a community to be involved in, there is a God that you are to have a relationship with. And until you have God first in your life, 
until He is prioritized as number one before all else, you will have chaos in your life. God has to come first. Talking about home improvement. We're talking about making your life look like God wants it to be. While obviously these principles apply to women, sir, you need to understand this morning, God has to be first in your life. You cannot get out in front of God. You cannot try to tend the garden without God. As we're going to see, it is a nightmare when you do. You cannot try to be a good husband without God. You cannot be a good father, a great father without God. You have got to do things God's way. And that requires God coming first in your life. So I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to just take a, a, a quick 10-second second look inward and ask yourself today, as you sit here today, hearing the preacher preach today, singing the songs of praise today, as you sit there where you are, is God truly first in your life? Is God truly first in your life? Or is God simply part of your life? Maybe second, maybe third, maybe fourth. Can you say definitively that before all else in my life, my relationship with my God is first? If we don't get that started now, if that is not the foundation, everything else that we try to build upon the foundation will not work right. It will not look right. It will not function like it's meant to function. The Lord must be first in your life. So first, we have a God that we answer to. Secondly, this morning, there is a garden to keep. There is a garden to keep. Look at verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. You need to understand this morning, sir, you have a garden to keep. God has designed you to care over and to care for His things. God has designed you to care for His things. If you look at Genesis, what do we find? That God is the creator of it all. We see that God is the maker of heaven and earth. We see that God formed not only man out of the dust, but if you read further in Genesis chapter 2, that the Bible tells us He formed all of the animals out of the ground. He is a God who formed everything that we see. And because He made it, because He created it, not only is He God over it, He is the Lord of it, He is the owner of it. We talked about this principle last week when we looked at finances, but this morning what we begin to see is that the principle of ownership, the reality that we are handling God's things, that we are in God's business, that what I possess is not really mine, it belongs to Him. This principle applies to a whole lot more than just the money thing we talked about last week. It applies to everything that we do. And God has tasked us you and I, sir, God has tasked the man with caring and tending to the garden. You have a garden this morning to tend. And whatever garden God has placed you in, the ultimate purpose of it is to be part of God's kingdom. This is the thing that, in, that I love about God. God wants every one of us here this morning to be part of His kingdom. Now let me explain, when I say part of His kingdom, not only does God want you to be saved, 
God wants you to be saved this morning. If you were lost this morning, if you met God today and you would be judged for your sins and you would spend forever in hell, understand something, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how bad of a thing you have done or how bad of things you have done, God loves you, God wants to save you, and God can forgive you and change your life through the power of the cross. God wants us to be in His family. But more than that, God does not just save us so that we can go to heaven. God wants each one of us to have a part in building His kingdom. God wants you to have a role in the overall redemptive plan of mankind. He wants you to be part of His kingdom. And so the garden that God has placed you in isn't just to feed yourself. It isn't just to give you something to do with your time. It's not just to keep you busy. God wants you, sir, to keep the garden because He wants you to be part of His kingdom. God wants you to build His name and honor while here on earth. That's a difficult point for me to illustrate. It's a statement I can make that's, that's kind of like, wow, okay, that's awesome. Now what's the next point? But we need to let it sink in. God wants you to use your talents, your time, your treasure, all that you have. He's placed you in the garden because God wants you to bring His name, honor, and glory while you are here on the earth. What an honor. I mean, I couldn't think of any greater entity in the world, sports team, government, top 500, Fortune 500 business, I could not think of anybody greater in the world to say, hey, you, I want you to represent us. And I want you to spend your life building our business. But God says that of each and every one of us this morning. I want you to tend your garden so that you can bring God honor and glory. If you read, you will notice that God's plan for man was to have dominion over all the earth. That was His plan. Dominion, it means some level of control. It means a level of authority. It means, in essence, I'm the boss. I have, you know, if you're a father, you should have dominion over your children. If you are the owner of a company, that means you would have dominion over your employees. God said He wanted us to have dominion over the earth. What does that mean to you and I this morning? It means that there is a world out there that needs the sons and daughters of God to arise and take our rightful place in the garden and work the ground that God has given us and do the things that God has called us to do so that we can bring God honor and glory. You have a garden to keep. There is a garden that God has placed you over. Each one of you men... There's a garden. And we're going to look at that garden a little bit more here as the sermon goes on. But I want to get to point three this morning. Not only is there a God who comes first, not only is there a garden to keep, but third, there are instructions to follow. There are instructions to follow. Verse 16, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. 
There are instructions to follow. What are we talking about? We're talking about home improvement. We're talking about your life. We're talking about your marriage. We're talking about raising kids in a, in, in a messed up world. We're talking about keep me, maintaining your integrity in a world that tells you you've got to break the rules to succeed. We are talking about improving who you are as a child of the Almighty God. And you need to understand something. First of all, there is a God who comes first. Second of all, there is a garden that God has placed you in and He expects you to tend it. He expects you to keep it. He expects you to work that garden. And third, this morning, He has given you some very specific instructions as to how you are to live in His garden. The instructions are the Word of God. You cannot make it without knowing and trusting and obeying the Word of God. You need to be in this book, sir. You need to be the one leading your home, studying this Word, knowing what it says, and living by its principles. I know it feels like I'm talking really frank this morning. Maybe you don't feel that way, but I feel that way. But I'm telling you something. When we walk by God's principles, when we do it God's way, when we care to study the Word and live by the Word, I'm telling you, it will improve your home. It will change your life. There are instructions to follow. God's instructions are not always easy. And because He's God... He doesn't always explain why. But here's what I want you to see about God's instructions. While He does not necessarily explain why, He at least tells you what will happen if you don't obey. So we are without excuse. There is no way to say, well, I didn't know that was going to happen if I disobey God. Yes, you did. God told you it would happen. Now, while God did not tell Adam why the motivation, the reasoning behind God's decision to say you cannot eat of this, the tree of, good, of knowledge of good and evil, at least He told him, but if you do, it will cause you to die. This is the reality of many of God's instructions, guys. God does not always explain to us why, but He does tell us what to do. And He tells us if we don't, there will be consequences that follow. As a pastor, it is overwhelming at times the number of people who will try to bend the rules of God, who will try to buck against God's authoritative Word, who will say, I know God's given me ten instructions, but I'm just going to keep eight of them and think that's pretty good compared to this guy over here who only keeps six. And then they get bit by the serpent. They take the one single thing that they thought they could get away with, and that one thing, somehow, way, the enemy weasels his way in there and causes havoc and wreaks a mess within the family. I have to trust the instructions that God has given me. I have to trust that when God's Word says, Thou shalt not, I need to listen and obey because God knows better. One of the principles we see in Genesis about the garden, and it's throughout the Word of God, is the idea of sowing and reaping. What did, what did God say of the, the herbs and of the plants that they would... Uh, that they would produce fruit after its own kind. In other words, an apple tree will produce an apple tree. 
It's not like all the fruits had just random seeds in them and every now and then they'd produce different. God said an apple tree will produce an apple tree. An orange tree will produce an orange tree. Tomatoes will produce tomatoes. He said the same thing of the animals. Cows will produce cows. Fish will produce fish. Birds will produce birds. Humans will produce humans. We produce after our own kind. That's a principle we find in the first three chapters of Genesis. And we see throughout the Word of God that the principle remains the same. Look with me at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 quickly. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. We looked at this last week concerning finances, but as I've already mentioned, it has a great deal of application to our overall life. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Verse 8 says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So look at the simple statement of verse 7. And this morning I pray there is at least one man in this place that gets this word sunk deep into the depth of your soul because it will change your life if you let it sink there. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. I have watched Christians, and I cannot understand it, but I have watched Christians foolishly spend their life sowing bad seed and then come to the altar every week and ask God to give them a different harvest. God says, nope, I have given you the instructions. It is a law like gravity. Every single one of us could come up here and stand on this ledge and pray to God, God, I'm going to step off this thing, but please don't let my feet hit the ground. And every one of us, without fail, would hit the ground. Because gravity is a law. A law that God Himself created in creation. So too is it a law that whatever you sow, that will you reap. You can't change it. I can't fix it for you. You cannot sow seeds of bitterness and speak negative to your wife and tear her down and show her no love and show her no respect and then wonder why in the world she doesn't love you like you think she should love you. You can't do it. You cannot make bad decisions, bad choices, sow the wrong seed, and then start to see that harvest come up and say, whoa, 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 no, I don't want that harvest. God, change those things into something else. God says, I am not mocked. Whatever you sow, that will you reap. This is an important lesson for us to learn as men. What are you sowing? The problem with us, because see, we have a garden to guard. The problem with us too often, because we have wicked hearts and we are people still corrupted by the flesh, we want our garden to look nice and decent, but we still kind of want some plants in there that really shouldn't be in there. We try to put them into the innermost part of the garden. That way when people look around and see the garden, it looks nice and pretty. But I'm talking to you about real home improvement. I'm talking to you about real life change. I'm talking to you about your marriage looking like God wants it to look. I'm talking to you about being a great husband, a great father. That's what I'm talking to you about. 
And if you're going to be a great husband, if you're going to be a great father, you have got to learn, I've got to quit sowing the seeds of discord. I've got to quit sowing seeds of never being there for my family, of ignoring them, of coming in from the door, turning on the TV for two hours, letting them do their own thing, being disconnected in the home. I've got to get involved. I've got to sow good seeds of love. I've got to sow good seeds of my time, quality time, quantity time. I've got to sow good seeds into the life of my family. It is the law of sowing and reaping. A lot of times people will come to me in the very last hours of their marriage. Most of them, the average person comes and, you know, they tell me it's already over. They're not even really looking for help. They're just looking to tell me their story on why it's over. And they're looking for me as the pastor to agree, yep, it's over. You might as well just get divorced. But every now and then I will get somebody who really wants change. Every now and then it happens. And I promise you it's not the norm. And here's what I tell people when they really want change. This is the first thing I take them to, this Scripture. Now, why would I take them here? Because they have to have a realistic expectation of what's down the road. That's why. If you're ready to change your life right now in mid-course, understand something. God can forgive you immediately today. You can stand clean in the sight of God, forgiven, blood-bought, born again, redeemed, your sins washed away white as snow. Your personal relationship with God can be made new in a matter of just the moment of faith in Jesus Christ. That is possible. But what you've done here on earth will yield its fruit. And I tell men, the principle is the same for men and women, but I'm dealing with men this morning, so that's who I'll deal with. I tell men, listen, sir, you might really want to change and you might really want to win your family back, but you have been mean as a snake for years. You have cut her down. You have been hateful in front of your children. You have lost her respect. You, you, have, you have sown so many seeds. There is nothing you can do about it, but, but, Wait for the harvest to come up. Understand it's going to come. Just because you know you've changed doesn't mean she believes any word out of your mouth. You've been lying to her for the last ten years. But here's the thing about the law of sowing and reaping. It comes in seasons. Quit sowing bad seed and start sowing good seed. And don't make up your mind, well, I'm only going to sow good seed if I see a harvest next week. See, that's what a lot of guys do. They think, well, I'm going to show her that I've changed. And then they try to change for two weeks and she doesn't believe anything he has to say. He's not getting the respect that he thinks he should because it's been two weeks. And then he goes right back to the same old way of being who he was because he didn't get a harvest in two weeks. Let me tell you what you're harvesting two weeks from now. You're harvesting the seeds you've been planting in this last season. That's what you're going to harvest two weeks from now whether you like it or not. You want to harvest good seed? Start putting in good seed. I'm going to tell you an example of this in my own life. I wish she was here this morning. My mother-in-law normally sits right here. I was one of the most deceptive, wicked people that you'll ever know. When I got saved, I mean I got saved. Anybody who knows me knows I'm radically saved. No drugs, no alcohol, no cussing. In the church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, 
Bible study on Tuesday, occasionally Bible study on Friday. That was my life. I mean, I, that's all I wanted to do. But I knew this. My wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, her parents knew who I was. And I had sown a lot of really bad seeds in that family. And thank God, God gave me the wisdom to know they're not going to believe anything you say, Joplin. You can tell them your great story about how God's changed your life and you're so different now, but they don't believe a word you say because you have did nothing but lie to them for years. I was prepared to deal with my harvest. But I knew this. You quit your lying. You quit your deceptiveness. You quit your arrogant, cocky attitude the way you treat her parents. And you start showing them love. You start showing them how you love their daughter. You start speaking truth. You start taking ownership for your own stuff. And you apologize for what you've done back then. And you keep it up. You can't do it for a week and expect them to just buy it. You keep it up. And you be real. And eventually, the good harvest is going to come up. Can I tell you something? Fourteen years later, the good harvest has come up. I've got a wonderful relationship with her parents. They know that we are what we say we are. But it takes time to change the harvest. And the harvest continues in seasons. There are instructions to follow. The instructions are the Word of God. You have to understand the law of sowing and reaping and follow the instructions of what God has told you to do, sir. The first garden that you have to tend is the garden inside of you. That's your heart. That's what you're planting in your own self. That's what you're allowing to come inside of you and take root in you through what you see, what you hear, what you touch, what you do. If you cannot get the internal garden right, you'll never get the external garden right. If you can't get your heart right, sir, you won't get your family right. Maybe your wife has problems. Maybe your wife needs to change. You've got to change you first. She doesn't need you on the sideline telling her what to do. She needs you doing it in yourself and leading the way saying, follow me. You've got to work on you. You've got to work on the garden of your own heart before you can begin working on the garden of your family. You cannot fix your family without first fixing you. You cannot fix your finances without first fixing you. You cannot fix your children without first fixing you. You must first work on the garden of your own heart, who you are at the core of your being. You must be strengthened in the inner man before you can really make a difference working on your outer world. In all reality, your external life is a mirror image of the internal condition of your heart. I want to say that again carefully and cautiously. Your external life is a mirror image of the internal condition of your heart. If your life is in chaos, chances are your internal heart is in chaos. If your life your home is filled with fighting and bitterness and hatefulness. 
It's a mirror image of what's really going on inside of here. If your life is filled with vanity and the pursuit of things and the desire to have more than the next guy and the desire to give the illusion of fame and popularity, that is really just a mirror image of what's going on in here. It's not really possible to say, well, my life is all messed up. I'm angry. I'm hateful. I, I, I say hurtful things to, towards my wife. I cuss at her. I call her things I shouldn't call her. I'm mean towards my kid. I'm dishonest in this area of my life. I'm dishonest with my finances. But, 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 I've got my heart right with God. It's not possible. Because what's really going on on the outside is a mirror image of what's going on in the inside. You've got to learn to deal with your heart, sir. God has given you the task of caring for His garden. And in His garden, you will find all your family. Your wife is there. Your children are there. It is the place that God has put each of us. You have a garden to keep. And God has tasked you with the main task of caring for that place, of caring for your family, of keeping it safe, of keeping the garden tended, of keeping things right in your garden. First, it starts with your heart. But after you have got your heart right, after you've been willing to work on yourself first, there is another garden that you are commanded to tend. And this garden, it will affect everyone around you. How you tend your garden, your home, your life, sir, it will affect your wife, and it'll affect your children. I'm going to tell you as plainly as I can say it. The man, God in his divine design, God has commanded that the man be the head of his home. And again, it is a law you cannot escape. Sir, you cannot sit on the side and say, well, I'll just let my wife lead us spiritually. It is your job. And remember, the instructions, when we try to do it a different way, it does not work. It causes chaos. It causes pain. It causes confusion. It causes bitterness. It needs to be done God's way. And you have a garden, sir. God wants you to tend. Your wife, your children, your future, everything is affected by how you tend this garden. And we will answer to God for how we've cared for the garden He's placed us in. Sir, you will answer to God for how you have cared for the garden He has placed you in. The fourth thing I want us to see this morning, not only is there a God who comes first, there is a garden to keep. There are instructions to follow. But now we see that there is an enemy to fight. There is an enemy to fight. Look at chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. 
Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of it, she took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave her husband with her, gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they saw that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Here we see the fall of mankind. And here's what you have to understand about the garden, sir. There is an enemy to look out for. There is an enemy to fight. The first thing I want you to notice about the enemy in the garden is that no matter how well your garden's kept, no matter how flawless it is, no matter how you've got everything in order, it does not matter if you are an incredible man with great discipline and you're praying and you're studying and, and, and your family serving God, the devil will find a way to creep into your garden and try to entice you to sin against God. There are none of us that are exempt. As I stand here before you, I have a garden that God has called me to tend. And the reality is the devil still tries to get in the midst of my garden and tries to shake things up and tries to cause division and strife and tries to cause me to question God and cause my wife to question God. And if you do not know that there is a real enemy who wants to get in the middle of your life and mess it up, you are going to be greatly taken by surprise and you're going to find yourself falling the same way our first parents did. There is an enemy to fight. You need to understand that we do have to resist the devil. You have to resist the devil. Being a Christian does not mean that there is no longer a fight. The reality is, being a Christian means you've entered into the fight. That's what it really means. But resist the devil we can. James chapter 4 and verse 7 tells us that if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 tells us that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But understand, sir, there is a fight in your garden. Here's what I want you to notice. Husband. Father. He will bypass you and go straight to your wife. He will bypass you and go straight to your children. Don't think the devil is going to come into your house, into your garden, and ask your permission to start talking to whoever he wants to talk to. He's a weasel. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. His entire mission is to get in and destroy. And so we as men, as the one who have been tasked to guard the garden... We need to know where our family's at. You need to know who your wife is, is talking with, so to speak. You need to know what your children are watching. You need to know the influences that are trying to get in their ears and in their brain and ultimately into their hearts. You need to know that, sir. You cannot protect somebody against something you don't know they're fighting. Men, you need to talk to your wives. You need to know where they're at. You need to discuss real life with them. Because the devil will come after your family. And when he comes, here's what I want you to notice. He will challenge what you believe about your garden. And he'll challenge you 
by challenging what you believe about your God. That's the way the devil gets us to sin. Did God really say? Are you sure that's what He meant? He even throws out a, an attack on the character of God. The devil says without so much words, but here's what he says, God's a liar. Because God is trying to deceive you into thinking it's bad for you to eat that. But really, if you do it, it'll be in your best interest. You'll become like God. You see, he insinuated God cannot be trusted. God does not know what's best. And really, God is just a powerful God that wants to keep you small and unpowerful. In one way or another, every one of us under the sound of my voice have heard that little whisper in the ear at times. Do it your way. Just do it your way. And then he'll, he'll come over and whisper in the other ear, isn't God a God of grace? Just do it and ask for forgiveness later. Isn't God a God of goodness and mercy? Everybody sins. Everybody sins. I want you to see something. I pray this morning somehow this will sink into your soul. What's He trying to get you to do? Sow seeds. That's what He's trying to get you to do. Because He understands the law that cannot be broken. That what you sow is what you reap. He knows. He sowed one rebellion against God and is reaping hell for all eternity because of it. Well, He knows. And He'll say anything that He can to get you to start sowing the seeds of discord, of distrust, of disobedience in your life. And what happens is, guys, we think to ourselves, oh, the garden looks pretty good. What's one weed or two? Let's just sow this seed deep back in here where nobody's going to know about it. It's just me. There is an enemy who will get into your garden. I can't help but ask this question this morning, man. Are we really guarded? How well are you guarding your garden? We have an enemy to fight. Fifth thing this morning, the time is now to guard the garden. The time is now. I can't say anything about all the stuff you've done before, but I can tell you this. God is a God of mercy and grace. God is a God of faithfulness. And God is a God who has the ability to, to change our lives and change our future and change the garden when we start operating by His principles. You may feel like it's too messed up. I've sown too many bad seeds. Trust the Word of God this morning. Trust the man of God this morning. Just start sowing the right seeds, sir. Just start. Water those things. Keep sowing good seed. It will produce a harvest. It might not look like you want it to in two weeks. It might not even look like you want it to in a month. 
But you keep sowing good seeds. You keep doing the right things. You keep guarding that garden and keep that serpent out of there so that he's not in there deceiving you or your wife and your children. Keep your focus on God. Stay faithful to the instructions. Keep sowing the good seed and your garden will begin to produce the harvest God designed it to produce. Satan will try to plant one weed at a time. That's what he'll do. One weed at a time. We've got to take inventory, look at the garden, and just ask ourselves honestly today. And sir, home improvement, it starts with you being honest with yourself. We've all failed. We've all made mistakes. We've all treated people at times like we shouldn't. We've all at times said things we shouldn't have said to our spouse or to our children. We've all did things at times at work we shouldn't have done. All of us have fallen to our weakness of the flesh at times. All of us have fallen a time or two to the, to the schemes of the devil. But we've got to get up and we've got to say, I'm not going to let that seed take root forever. I've got to weed that thing out of my life that's causing my garden to be messed up. What are the things this morning in your life, sir, that you have to weed out? I find it interesting that weeds choke out the good crop. Not the other way around. Isn't that odd? It's just the way that it is. Weeds will choke out the good crop. Not the other way around. We even see when Jesus was talking about the parable of the soils that one of the seeds was sown in decent ground, but it grew up around thorns. And it says the, the, the thorny things uh, choked it out. That's the word it used for it. Choked it out and destroyed it. One of the worst things you can do is think that you can build your garden, guard your garden, have a healthy home, have a healthy life, and do nothing about the weeds that are growing up all around you. We've got to take ownership of that. And I'm telling you something, sir. It is your primary responsibility to get the weeds out of your garden. Don't blame it on your wife. Don't blame it on your kids. Don't blame it on your circumstances. Don't blame it on your job. Don't blame it on your finances. It is your primary job to get the weeds out of your garden. Get the weeds out now before they steal, kill, and destroy your home. You know, the goal of the enemy, we have an enemy to fight. The goal of the enemy is ultimately to get us to sow our own seed. I want to say this cautiously as I close this morning. We have a real devil to fight. The devil is not, and demons, is not, are not some mystical um, analogy that God uses us to help us understand good and evil. There is real forces of darkness in this world. And they are out to steal, kill, and destroy. And we must be conscious of them. But I want you to see something about the fall of mankind. Never was there a greater... I don't like to call it a victory, but play. Never was there a greater play that the devil has had in this game of time as we know it than this event right here. This affected all of time as we know it. You and I today sit here fighting a flesh nature 
because of this. Now here's what I want you to see about it. Understand the devil's tactics. The devil did not grab the woman by the hair and take that fruit and shove it in her mouth and make her eat it. He talked her into sowing her own seed. Have you ever... You knew you were not supposed to do something, but just made up your mind you're going to do it anyways. I'm sure that none of you have ever done that. But I have. And I'm going to tell you about my experience. So that you know what to look for if you ever have a similar situation. You know when we kind of make up our mind, I don't care, I'm just going to do it. I know I'm not supposed to, but I'm just going to do it. It almost feels like a poison ivy itch that you just know you're not supposed to itch the thing, but you just can't handle it anymore. And so I'm not just going to itch it, I'm going to itch it until I get it out of me. See, that's the way sin is sometimes. I'll be real with you today. And when we make the decision to do it, a lot of times, I mean, if we know we're going to sin and we know it's wrong, we're just going to do it. I'm not going to do it halfway. Why do it halfway? You know, just do what I want to do and get it over with. I believe, personally, that they ate all of the fruit. That's what I believe. And I believe it because of the principle I'm about to show you, but I also believe it because of my own experience. That's just the way we are as people. I mean, if I'm going to do it, I don't think they just say, well, let's just taste it and have a bite. I mean, eat the thing. Right? You know the thing about fruit? doesn't tell us if it was an apple or not, but the thing about fruit. Fruit is the one thing that has the seed where? At the core. And so after the serpent beguiled them into sinning, they're sitting there eating that thing up. Man, this tastes good. Kind of wondering what's going to happen. You know, God did say we're going to die, but I haven't died yet. Looking for lightning in the sky, but I feel pretty good. This thing tastes good. Eventually, there was nothing left to eat. And at that moment, at that moment, what did they have in their hand? The seed. And Adam and Eve stood there with the seed of their sin in their hand with no option but to drop that thing in the garden and let it take root. And we see what's happened because of it. As our worship team comes this morning, sir, what I want you to see, this thing about sowing and reaping is real business. You have a garden to keep. How are you doing with your garden this morning? What type of seed are you sowing? What type of weeds have overtaken your home? Talking to you about home improvement. That's what I'm talking to you about. Biblical home improvement. And it can improve greatly if we will do it God's way. You know, men, the hardest thing for us is our stinking pride. There are some men right now that you feel like you'd probably like to crawl up under a hole. 
Maybe you're, you're just hoping your wife doesn't say nothing to you about this sermon. We're never going to get improvement if we don't get past our stinking pride. Stop it, man. Quit it. This devilish pride that we have, it keeps us from quit stopping doing the wrong things we should do. It keeps us from acknowledging, yes, I take ownership in this. God has called me to be the head of my garden, my family, my home. And I want to encourage you men this morning. Lay down your shame, because this isn't about shame. And be thankful that you serve a God that cares enough to get in your business and help you build your home like He wants you to build it. Be thankful for that. And I want to challenge you this morning. When we do our altar call, if God has in any way spoke to you specifically about your family, I want to challenge you this morning, sir, to humbly acknowledge God's divine work in your life, divine call on your life, by taking some time here in a moment to come forward, kneel at one of these altars, find a place to pray up here, and it can be just between you and God. But I'm going to tell you the truth. We've got to get past our pride, guys. We've got to get past the, oh, this is my business. I'll do it on my own. If your home is in need of help, if you and your wife are at odds, and you want to crush her spirit this morning, sit in your seat. Act like you weren't phased at all. Act like you're going to hold your head up high and walk right out that door as if that sermon was for all the other men in that place. But if you want real home improvement, be willing to acknowledge there are some things I just want to talk to God about this morning and start working on. And when you get out of this place, I challenge you to talk those things over with your wife. Father, I pray that You'd move all across this room. Lord, I've taken the text. I've did the best that I know how to do with it. I pray that I've said what You would have me to say, nothing more, nothing less. I pray now for these men here. God, that a sense of urgency would rise up in their hearts. That a sense of thankfulness that You are in their business would rise up within them. And I pray for home improvement. I pray for life change. I pray for marriages to begin to change, Lord. I pray for good seed to begin to be sown. I pray for weeds this morning to come up out of the lives of our men. Have your way in this place. We ask it in Jesus' name.